Thank you, Lord. I don't have an incredibly uh, complex word, but I'm really excited about this word today. It's not even a word that I enjoy preaching because I know what it means in once in my flesh, but in my spirit. My spirit is so excited about this word. Who knows what I'm talking about? Your flesh isn't excited, but your spirit is. <laughs> well, God's got something for us. This is part three. Everybody say, the fourth man, the fourth man is in the fire with us. Let's just say it again. The fourth man is in the fire with us. Thank you, Lord. He is. And so I need you to hear that. You know, we, we took our text the last two weeks from Daniel 3. I'm going to move out of Daniel. I'm going to move from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to go somewhere else. But I want to take a principle that we learned in that story for the last two weeks, and I'm gonna, we're going to go deeper with it. Who's ready for some deeper things? It's not incredibly deep, but we're going to go deeper than the surface story. And you need to hear this. The fire was heated up seven times hotter than usual because they were doing what was right. I need you to hear that. The fire was heated up not because they did something wrong, but the fire was heated up because they were doing what was right. How many would think that the fires come in your life because you must be doing something wrong? But it's just the opposite. When you're doing what's right, that's when you can expect the fires to come. Praise God. We're going to get into why God allows that because there's something powerful that happens when this occurs. And it's going to happen. If you want God, expect the fire. The fire was heated up even hotter than previously threatened. It was threatened but once they stood their ground, then it got hotter. Come on, praise God. Listen, you say you want to follow the Lord. There's a heat that comes immediately. Who notices that? You know, there's some friction in your world. There's some people that, you know, maybe you transition from a life before to the life of Christ. And some people were a little confused by your transition. And so there was some fire and there's some friction. But everybody say, that was... Just the beginning. Come on. That was barely a spark in the fire. The things were going to get hotter. Praise the Lord. Who already knows where this sermon's going and is excited because they know this is how God purifies us. Praise the Lord. Uh, God was with them. This is what I need us to hear. I want to take this principle from this is that don't think that because there's a fire in your life that you're doing something wrong. You need to hear this. It's because you're doing what's right, that's why you have a fire in your life. The reason you face trials is not, listen, there are trials in the world. The world faces trials. That's a different thing. When we read about Peter, and I may get to that. We'll just see how the time goes. We talked about that for the last few weeks in Bible study. I have some text from there because it's definitely applicable today. We'll just see how we get to, but when Peter's talking about the trials, he's not talking about the world struggling with sin. That's not the trial. He's talking about you deciding, I want to be a believer, and coming up against a current that wants to push you back into the place you used to be. It's talking about coming up to fires where God is going to use now this commitment that you made. He's going to use it in your life. Okay, you said you want to follow me. Now I've got to get some things out of you. So this is just a preview of where we're going. But I need you to hear this. If you're in the fire, I need you to say this out loud with me. Let your spirit, let your soul hear it from your spirit. Okay, does that make sense? Let your mind hear it from, your spirit already knows it. 
It's amazing. We're already seated with Christ in spirit. We're just waiting to get there in the flesh. Your spirit already knows it, but your mind needs to hear it. Ready? If I'm in the fire, then so is Jesus. Isn't that powerful? You know, I wrote those into my notes, and I thought, that is it. That's the sermon right there. I thought, just even just stating that, if I'm going through something for the Lord and the fact that he's with me, who is filled with faith already? Just by hearing that. If you're in it, the Lord's in it with you. Praise God. So why does God allow, I'm getting right into this, why does God allow us to go through the fire? I have a very simple answer for you, and it's that he's purifying you. That's it. He's purifying you. He washes off, this is the thing, and we're going to get into this today. When the Lord finds you, you're dirty. Even if you're raised in a Christian home, I was raised in a Christian home. You know, so you've been given all the tools, right? I have a son here who's going to have to make his decisions as well. They've been, he's been given the tools. So whether you've been born in a Christian home or outside a Christian home, all it is is concepts. All they are is ideas now. And you have to decide if you're going to follow those things. But the thing is, whether you were born into a Christian home or you're born into the world, you know, in a, in a very secular home, regardless, this is the craziest thing, all of us were equally sinners and equally dirty and equally filled with deep-seated issues that have either manifested or not, but are still in you, whether they came from previous generations, even in a Christian upbringing, uh, maybe the kids in your neighborhood made fun of you. This is kind of my story. It's a very, th it, I didn't know if I would share it, and it's coming out of my mouth. You know, the Lord didn't allow me as a young boy to have many close friends. It just wasn't, it wasn't, I, I tried to be their friend. Maybe I was weird. I wasn't trying to be weird, but I made friends, but we wouldn't stay friends because the other friend, you know, the third guy, right, in that group would steal that friend away. And this happened multiple times in my childhood, and I was always kind of alone. But you know what it did? It could have either turned into bitterness. It could have turned into hurt. In a, in, and in, certainly as a child, I was tempted to do that. And it could have been now an issue that I would carry into all of my life, even though I was raised in a Christian home, that, well, you know, I don't need anyone else. That's not God. But God used it to show me, even as a young boy, nobody else can be your friend like I can. And that's something so powerful that I gained. So at 15 years old, when I began to seek him for real, when it went from concepts to reality, you know, went from something I knew about to something I knew. And when that happened, uh, suddenly now I began to seek him as if he was that friend that I always needed. Isn't that amazing? And so, you know, even no matter what your story is, no matter where you came from, there's junk in us. There's stuff, and the devil's trying to pile on. He'll just try to pile on all kinds of side things and side hurts and get people into drugs and alcohol, into lust, and all, whatever it is, Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter, right? I, the youth group was the worst place that you could ever go. 
It was worse than the public school. It's not that that was God. I'm just saying the devil was trying to destroy those kids because they were, they were brought into the kingdom. God paid a purchase, a price for those parents. And the parents now who said, I'm going to stand for you. Well, we went and attacked that place the most. The world's kids, he didn't have to attack them that much because they're already worldly. So it was, it was worse in the youth groups. Right, Michael? <laughs> but praise God, the Lord gave us grace and mercy and was there with us and never abandoned us. Praise God. But there's, there's junk that you kind of get along the way. There are things that you pick up no matter what your upbringing was along the way. And they have a, there's, a, there's a choice inside you, but I'm not going to make today about, a, a, about choice, but I just want you to see something. You can either make a choice to let those things hold you and become part of you, or you can let God get those things out of you. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you read your Bible, you can praise God every Sunday, you can go to heaven, you can know him, but you can still die. Listen, you can still have deep-seated things inside you that you never dealt with. And it's not a heaven and a hell thing I'm talking about today. This is a life thing I'm talking about. First of all, you gave yourself a much harder life than you needed to, first of all. Second of all, it's possible that those kids in that youth group, I had a good I had good parents, but it's possible those kids in the youth group that are choosing Satan over the Lord, it's possible, without judging any of them, because I'm not naming names, you don't know where I went, you know, so I'm not judging anybody, I'm just saying, just a general thing, that some of those kids, that maybe their parents didn't deal with things that they should have, and so now the kid who's innocent is just saying, well, I'm a believer, I'm worshiping God, but apparently I can also swear because my parents do or whatever else. I can also do this because that's what they do. And this goes on and on and on and on and on. Now, a person says, I want to know you. I want to seek you. I'm, this is for real now. What do you think God does? What do you think is his first step? Amen, brother. Come on, join me in heaven. Unless you're the sinner on the cross, and you're already dying, that's not going to be your story. Your story is going to be out of the frying pan and into the fire. Come on, praise God. The Lord says, okay, I'm going to wash off the obvious. Everybody say the obvious. Some people are dirtier than others. We're going to talk about refining metal today. We're going to talk about how the Lord is the refiner. We're going to talk about Malachi's refinery. But before I get there, let me tell you something. Sometimes they find gold in a cave. Sometimes they find it buried within the dirt. And sometimes they find it in a stream. Some of us appear dirtier than others when we're first presented to the refiner. And the one who's in the stream thinks they're so clean. They're like, man, I am not. This is what Jesus said. Jesus was like, you know, I'm going to tell you a parable. I think it's going to hit home. I think it's going to hit some hearts, the Lord says. I'm, I'm filling in the blanks. He didn't say that. You guys give me some license. Because I'm going to tell you a parable. And he talks about this 
Guy who thinks he's righteous, thinking I'm so righteous, at least I'm not like that sinner. Meanwhile, the sinner is beating his chest. He knows he's a sinner. You know, it's easier for God to work with gold that he digs up in the muck than the gold he finds in the stream. Because the gold in the stream thinks they're already clean. At least the sinner knows that they're sinners. Come on, praise the Lord. The Lord's already preaching. If you haven't noticed already, he's already preaching to this little church. Praise God. He is so good. I'm so excited for this word because I know what it means. I don't want to go through it either, but I know that he's getting junk out of us. Praise God. Amen. Right, Jeannie? That's what he's been saying for a long time. He's been saying this. The Lord's getting the junk out of you because it's hurting you. It's hurting your children. It's hurting the world around you. Why would we want to hold on to these issues? Why? What possibly could be good about holding on to these things? There's nothing good. So the Lord, it says this. We're going to break this down a little. We're going to get deeper into this, but let me just read this first. It says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. In Malachi 3, verse 2, it says, Who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who can stand? Who can stand at his coming? Who could possibly face the Lord? No one can. This is a question with an answer within it. You can't face the Lord. You can't stand. You can't endure it. And that's the point. It needs to be no more you. It needs to be you gone. Hey, I brought a sound effect in. I don't bring, that's my, my side, my personality outside of the church. I'm known for sound effects. I don't bring them into the church a lot, but there we go. Who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire, a refiner, right? That refines metal. He will be like a refiner who sits and refines the metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. It says in verse 3, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the impurities. Everybody say, he's trying to burn away the impurities. Man, we don't like saying that, but praise God, because who loves? You know what happens when you let him burn away your impurities? You're free. Who wants to be free? Who wants to be truly free? Does anybody here want to carry burdens? Do you truly want baggage your whole life? No one wants baggage, and no one wants somebody with baggage around them. Come on, this is not rocket science, is it? Very simple gospel. God wants us free, and the world around us would be a lot freer if we were free. You see how this is a ripple effect? That if we don't deal with issues, how they just keep going and going and going. And it becomes uh, uh, like a, a tidal wave. He will purify the Levites. That's us. You know New Testament. This is Malachi. But you know that you're a Levite, right? Everybody say, I'm a Levite. Because the Levites were those separated for the Lord. But that's you. The Bible calls you in New Testament. You are symbolically, even though you may not have been born from the tribe of Levi physically, symbolically he grafted you in to the tribe of Levi as his priest. You are kings and priests in the Lord. You're in the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Levi. You've been brought in. So you're a Levite, and he says, I'm going to purify you. 
And I'm going to refine you like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. The Lord has a purpose in it. So what? What was the main reason? Why? Do, I mean, we can just go back to Genesis, then we can go to Exodus. I mean, you go through your Bible. What has God always been looking for in his people? We can see it there in Exodus. It's one thing. I'll be your God. You be my people. And our job is to worship him. His job is already done. It's already finished. It was done when he rested in creation. And then it was done outside of time simultaneously with Jesus on the cross. It's already been finished. He does everything for us. We just worship him. You can't worship him, though, with flesh. There's, flesh is not allowed inside the most holy of holies. And we have to realize something. Jesus tore the veil, and that's the place that he, I'm going to use a strong word, because I think Christianity hasn't used it enough, that he's demanded you enter. I think Christianity has welcomed, it's made the Holy of Holies extracurricular. It's something, if you want to be a Christian on that level, you're welcome to, but you don't have to be. You can be a Christian that just comes and goes, or you can be a Christian that goes into the Holy of Holies. I think that that is what the Lord calls grieving the Holy Spirit, right there. Because out of the, for the, his blood, imagine saying to Christ, because let's just, let's just get outside of time. You already believe that some guy, he's not, but I'm, let's just, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a little bit of heresy here just to realize that what we believe, because it's what the world says. That some guy, some man, 2,000 years ago, died on the cross and your sins are covered by his blood. All right, you're already crazy to the world. Listen, right? That's not crazy to us. We're so, we, we believe it so deeply that that's not crazy to us. But listen, from the world's perspective, a man who was born, you know, from, from a woman and died. These are historical things, right? Take away the spiritual. You already believe that. So let's just go outside of time now and let's go stand there with Christ. You can do this because you're already crazy. You already believe something spiritual. So let's just be, let's be spiritual about it. Don't try to be analytical. Don't be natural about this. Let's go stand at the cross with Christ right now. Let's stand there because he's about to die and he says, okay, now give me your junk. Give me your stuff. Give me your flesh. I'm going to kill it. And we're like, okay, Lord. And he's like, okay, it's not finished. It's about to be finished and he tears the veil for the, the whole purpose to welcome you into his presence. Uh, oh, no, 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 this is not what I signed up for. I'll take the salvation, I'll take all your stuff, but I, I really don't want to go into your presence. To, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. I don't want to go. I thought you did that. Let's be realistic about what you're saying in your heart when we don't want God on that level. You might as well just... Imagine yourself standing there at the foot of the cross because there is no time. We're in spirit, right? We're not flesh. You're not crazy, by the way. I just, you know, I brought us to that level because I want you to see it from a natural perspective. We're already seeing in spirit. We already believe we're going to be in some magical land with floating clouds. I, I mean, I, these are foundational things. You guys are looking at me like, you're looking at me so odd because these are beliefs that we just know. But listen, look at it from a natural human perspective. 
So you might as well be spiritual. You have to realize you already believe spiritual things, so let's be spiritual about spiritual things. And if that's the case, then let's look at this thing in spirit. Jesus is not 2,000 years ago. Cross wasn't back then. It's right here and now. Right here and now. You and him staring in his face, that blood for you. Let's be spiritual about this. And the veil's torn. He says, come on in. Well, I have got some things to do. I'm going to punch my ticket. I'll see you in eternity. I'm going to go live my life a little bit first, but don't worry. I'll keep tagging back when it's convenient. Seems a little odd, doesn't it? Is that Christianity? Is a person that truly says, I want to seek you, and so whatever it costs me and whatever you need to do in me, is that a super Christian? Or is that a Christian? You know, when I was 15 and I, I made that transition, then I tried to join up with a new group of friends. This is hilarious. I thought I could have friends again. Like, okay, Lord, you're number one, and your word is number one. And my other friends have already rejected me because they said you used to be a lot cooler. They literally said that to me, you used to be a lot cooler. Even TJ and Rick, we were kids. They did not understand what was happening to me. They're like, do you like girls? Because I, I said, I'm not going to date. I'm not going to date until the Lord brings my wife into my life. I'm not saying I was perfect in that, but that was my commitment. They just they didn't understand. My best friend said it used to be a lot cooler. But I went to this youth group, and I joined up with these other kids. So I was like, okay, these are Christian kids. I, Lord, you're first. You're number one. I love you. And now I can have friends, too. And you know what I was called? Legalistic. Lord's ne like I said, the Lord just never let me. He's never let me depend on anyone else's opinion. But he didn't allow me also to say that I don't need anyone because that's crazy. It was a hard road. I went right into the fire. I was thinking, this is going to be great. I was called legalistic because I actually wanted to do what the Bible said. There was a movie that had just come out in the theater. It was about vampires. I don't even remember the name. My Christian friends said, let's go see a movie tonight. I was like, this is great. I've got Christian friends now. Get to the theater, purchase the tickets. What are we seeing? I don't know. It's probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And I was so confused. So in my innocence, like a child, I asked questions. And that was it. I was never, never accepted in that group. And the Lord did want me to, is my point. That's not what he wanted from me. It's not being a Christian and being a super Christian. I don't... I believe that we do in this church. A lot of times, don't take it personal. I'm just saying truths. I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm, talking about, I'm not even talking about the way I believe or you believe. I'm just saying truths. So when I say things like Christians, don't take it personal. But I don't believe that Christians, in a general term, at least in the Western mentality, that, that's not just the U.S., but a Western mentality, I don't believe they really understand what being a Christian is that this is the path for a Christian. The very first thing he does, let's get into this gold now. The very first thing he does is washes you off. 
He baptizes you, and you're clean on the outside. <laughs> Some of things, who knows, when you were baptized, when you said yes to the Lord and were baptized, a lot of things fell off right away. They did. Who's 100% right now? Don't raise your hand, because you're a liar. <laughs> That's a trick question. Wait, but I can ask you a question that everybody should be able to raise their hand for. Who is more pure today than you were even after your baptism? Of course you are, if you know the Lord. Because the very first thing he does is he puts you in the fire. Now, I want to be clear. God, Romans 8, 28, uses everything. He works everything together. I want to be clear. God doesn't need to start the fire. He's got you to do that. He's got your friends and family to do that. He's got your workplace to do that. He's got the devil who hates you to do that. Now, if you were to look at the place you're in in your life when the refiner starts working on you, yes, you could also say, this is what I want. Maybe I am going deeper than I intended. You could say, with truth, this is the devil. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could say, legally in a court of law, who puts you in the fire? Nebuchadnezzar. Is that a lie? Who did this to you? My wife did it to me. Who did this to you? My parents did this to me. Who did this to you? My friends, as a, when I was a kid, they made me this way. That's why I'm so hard, and that's why I'm so bitter. That's why I'm so hurt. They did this to me. Those are all truths. But my word says that Jesus is the refiner. You don't need to try and be refined. It's going to happen the moment that you commit to the Lord. Period. And the Lord doesn't need to try and refine you, the fire is going to come automatically, and in that place, it's what you do with it. And this is what I believe happens. I believe many people have turned to the Lord, and then things begin to heat up, and they're confused. And they either revert back to hurts and bitterness and never let go. The Lord loves them, and just cleave to those things, and they just, they always have fire their whole life, and they never let go of these areas. Or a person says, I want to be free. I want to get rid of this. You know what happens when you say to the Lord, I want to let this go? You ready for something? You ready to be surprised? Nothing. All that is is a prayer. Nothing's happened yet. Nothing. Lord, set me free. I want to be free. I want to be free of this anger. I've got anger. I've got greed, envy, jealousy. I've got these issues. Lord, I want to be free of it. Lord says, yes, I love that. We're going to work on that. Who was free the moment you said it? I mean, yes, in spirit. Listen, I was already saved when Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Try to wrap your head around that. You were already clean the moment he baptized you. So then why do we need to, do, what, what does any of this matter? Why are you still on the earth? Why be purified? It was already done. What I'm trying to get you to see is, in the natural, it'll look like nothing 
Okay, I said the prayer. Come on, we've talked about this. We just talked about this on Tuesday. You say your prayer, you come out of your prayer closet, the first thing you do is yell at your mother. Right? <laughs> yell at your spouse. Get into some road rage. That's the first thing that happens. Wait a second. I just gave it to you. The Lord says, yeah, I'm working on it. What do you think this is? How do you think that he's going to get it out of your heart except allowing it to happen, allowing you to get angry? Come on, praise God. God will purposefully now, come on, he will purposefully let the fire get as hot as it takes until all the impurities come to the surface. Now you're swearing, you're angry, you're jealous, you're envious, and you're like, but I gave my life to the Lord. What is going on? And a lot of people just walk away. Others, they just pretend like that's not who they are. And so those youth group kids, that's why they swear, because they see their parents on Sunday, they're little shining angels. The parents, not the kids. But then the dad, talking to his buddies, talking about women, talking and swearing. And so what do you think that teenager who's idolizing his father is going to do, even though he's in a Christian home? Those are the two things that you could do. The third thing is, you say, Lord, I am so angry right now. Lord, I am, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm envious. I'm filled with lust. What is all this? And the Lord says, give those things to me. And you're like, well, I already gave them to you. Yeah, you gave them to me in concept. But now the real things, the real issues are starting to come up to the surface. See, a refiner, though, he's not satisfied. A refiner's not satisfied with dirt coming out of the... That's easy. You know how quickly, bam, put that metal in. I mean, the dirt is just gone. It's fire. Can't, you know, you're like murder, adultery. That's easy. Gone. You know what's hard? Little tiny specks. That's where the refiner has to work hard on. Because again, like I said, the sinner, you know, most of that's, most of those things, come on, transitioning into Christ, most of those things, those are just washed off with water. The things in the fire is because he's looking for 0.9999. That's in the natural. God's looking for 100%. Do you know the gold in heaven? Come on, isn't, isn't God amazing? Can we just say God is amazing? There's so much to this. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to just give you the surface only because there's, there's so much we could get into. And I told you I didn't want to get into too much at once. But do you know in heaven, come on, come on, Christians, you already know. Come on. The gold in heaven is not gold-colored. It's not rose-colored. Come on, there's no rose gold. There's no yellow gold. There's no white gold. You know what color the gold is in heaven? Crystal clear. That's amazing. That means what type of gold is God interested in? If my Bible says that God's going to refine us, come on, you can find this. You can go and look this up in your own time. I think we're already preaching you can go find this in Psalm 66, Zechariah chapter 13, Isaiah 48, 1 Peter talks a lot about these fires. And we'll just look here for a moment. Let's go with 1 Peter. He says in 1 Peter, we just looked at this, uh, this concept, but I'm going to go back to chapter 1, 1 Peter 1. We've been doing this in our Bible study. 
it says in verse 7, actually verse 6 is important, everybody say there's wonderful joy ahead. 1 Peter 1, 6, there's wonderful joy ahead. Come on, praise God. God is not sadistic. He does not enjoy watching you squirm in the fire. God loves us so much that he will not allow us to have impurities because they're hurting us and they're hurting the next generation and they're hurting the world around us. And he loves us so much that he will allow, yes, he'll allow the devil to put a fire under your butt. He'll allow your friends to reject you. He'll allow a spouse to hate you. He allows these things, not because that was ever his plan, but because God is so powerful, he's so mighty, and he uses everything. He says, you know what? I wrote this line down. I'm in Peter, but I'm, man, I'm, I'm really trying. But I wrote this line down, and I could con barely control my emotions when I wrote down this line. I just wrote down, I can use that. When I heard the Lord say it, I heard the Lord hurt, brokenness, divorce, a messed up childhood, picked on in school, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, whatever it is, I heard the Lord in my spirit say, I can use that. I can use that. I can use that. Do you know the world? You, it's, it's been credited back somewhere in the Renaissance, and then it's been used. Winston Churchill said it, and then some evil people have said it. Never let a good crisis go to waste. I want you to say it out loud. Never let a good crisis go to waste. God never lets a crisis go to waste. God is using everything. Do you know in creation, nothing is wasted? Every single thing that dies brings life. Everything. Isn't that incredible? No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, if you look at this in spirit, and not just on the surface, and not in the natural, and you see that you are a spiritual being that God is doing something spiritual with, wow, now suddenly your eyes are opening and you see, wait a second, are you telling me that the suffering, the pain, the hurts, the brokenness, it's not that you did them, but you're not going to let this thing go to waste? You're going to use it for your good? All of a sudden, I heard the Lord. I could just, I could see it. I saw God look down from heaven, and he saw a murderer. He sees a man who dragged fathers away from their families and murdered them. And in God's infinite wisdom, he said, this is the guy. He said, this is the one who will carry my word into the world. Paul, the once murderer, wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. God did not cause or call Paul to be a murderer, but that was the very guy that God said, I'm going to use this guy. I'm going to use his life. When we get stuck in bitterness or hurt or jealousy or envy or anger, it only hurts us, and it hurts those that truly love us to see us that way. But the irony is that a person we're, the person we're angry with, the one we're envious the most of, they don't even care. These things, these issues, they're just dragging us down. And the Lord is so compassionate. He's so in love with us. He's so willing to work with us. The Bible says back here in 1 Peter, it says, there's wonderful joy ahead. 
even though you must. Everybody say, I must. I don't see an out here. Even though I might feel like it. Even though I may. Well, you know, I'm just going to, you know, you can do the suffering thing. That's not my call. I'm not called to suffer. I was called to do the fun things. You're called to suffer. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Come on. It, the funny thing is we're laughing because we've heard it. There's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Why? Why? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. How does a refiner find out if gold and silver is genuine? How? I mean, to be really, you know, maybe, he's got, maybe we've got fancy tools today, right, that touch the gold and silver. The refiner didn't do that. You know, the, the refiner would know, let's heat this thing up and find out. Once we see what's inside of it, then I'll know if it's real. And if, and if some impurities come out, I'm not, you know what, the refiner's not offended. I don't care if some dirt floats to the surface. That's completely normal. But if I don't find gold inside, we've got a bigger problem. Might not be a lot of gold left. It might not be as worth as much as you thought it was when you brought this gold to me. But if there's gold in there, I'm going to find it. And guess what? Everything else, I'm not paying you for. Come on, praise God. Isn't he amazing? God is so powerful, isn't he? And he's so worthy of our praise. I'll tell you what, I'm excited preaching the sermon, if you guys haven't noticed already. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. The Bible says that, so Old Testament, New Testament, the fire tests us and purifies us, even though we're far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So, Pastor, you're telling me that this trial in my life is from God? You're telling me that I have to go through all of this and God wants it that way? You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11? John the, uh, John the Baptist was testifying of how he was baptizing. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's very interesting. Because when you read in the New Testament, we have lists. Lists, plural. We think that law is Old Testament. 
We think rules are Old Testament. We think because the Lord saved us by grace that now you're allowed to murder someone? Are you out of your mind? That just because you've been saved by grace that you can do whatever you want? I, I'm bringing up an extreme on purpose to, to get us to see, okay, wait a second, if sin can't be allowed even though I've been saved by grace, then why would you think that you could be allowed to be envious and jealous? You're like, wait a second, murder, envy, jealousy? That's funny because the Bible gives us lists, New Testament, that list things like murder. We just looked at this on Tuesday. And then talking behind other people's back. What? What? And then the Bible has other lists that are called fruits of the Spirit. Because when God allows a situation in your life to irritate you so much that you've got no choice but to trust him and to give up everything else, you, you, there's no other, uh, there is no other way. It, uh, and when you get to that place when you are lost for words, that first prayer you prayed when you're like, Lord, take this anger from me, it's not that the Lord didn't hear it. Nothing happened in the natural. Something happened spiritually. The commitment was made. The Lord's like, I heard it. I hurt you. Not that nothing happened in the spirit, but nothing happened in the natural. But he'll allow the fire to get to the place where what you said, now you mean. And I wish there was another way. We've all been there. We've all come through these things. I've, we've all have miracles that the Lord has given us in our lives that you prayed about two and a half years ago, 15 years ago. And in, there is no shortcut. There's no easy button. You had to go through it. Period. Because your mouth... In your heart, you think you knew what was in your heart, but the fire revealed what was really there. Who was surprised? Who was surprised by enough pressure and enough heat that you can still revert to being worldly? If you're pushed enough, come on, we all have a breaking point. Who is surprised when you're pushed hard enough and heated enough that you still act worldly? You have to realize that was the Lord. Are you telling me the Lord made me swear? After I haven't, I don't talk that way, and today I did? No, I'm not saying the Lord did that. Just don't get condemned by it. Say, Lord, I don't know where this thing came from. I don't even know how it's in me still. Praise God for this situation. Wait a, whoa, wait a second. Praise God for this situation? Praise the Lord for a situation that brought so much hurt and heartache and stress and fatigue and physical, mental, spiritual pain. Yeah, that's what you end up saying. Who can testify? You end up saying, thank God for that season. It was the worst season of my life. Praise you, Lord, for it. That was so hard. But Lord, thank you. I'm so blessed that you took me through hell because you didn't leave me there. Come on. You know, Jesus went down to hell and rescued the sinners. Come on, praise God. You know, he went down and preached to those who hadn't heard the gospel. So don't be surprised the Lord allows you to go to hell. Come on, and we're talking metaphorically, you know what I'm saying? Don't be surprised. That was another Winston Churchill quote. He said, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Right? Keep going. The Lord's still working. If there's still stuff in you 
The Lord's still working. Isn't that amazing? We have to learn to be thankful and grateful in all circumstances, in everything that we go through, in everything we do. When you learn to praise God during those times where you're like, there's no way God has anything to do with this. This is the devil. This is my spouse. This is my boss. This is not God. And yet God is behind the scenes ruling the universe saying, you're looking at this thing in a micro view. You need to look at this thing in a macro view. I think I said that the right way. You need to zoom out a little bit and see that I'm God and that, yes, Satan put Jesus on the cross and didn't know what he was doing when he did it, and yes, he paid a price, and yes, he died, and yes, he suffered, but what you can't possibly understand is that what I was doing behind the scenes was allowing it to happen for the purpose of saving all of humanity forever and ever. And so just maybe God is doing the same thing that he did for his own son who he loved. Come on. You think that if he didn't do it to his son, if he did it to his son, that he wouldn't allow us to go through it also? That's why Jesus said, listen, you better yoke with me. I get it now. He wasn't just saying, hey, you know, yoke with me. Your life will be easier. It's almost like, listen, I, I hear that scripture a little bit differently now. You better yoke with me. Listen, you better yoke with me right now because you're never going to be able to go through what you're going to go through on your own, period. This might be the place where you're going to find me, in fact, because if you don't, you're not going to make it. But if you will yoke with me, I'll take you through it. I'll stay in that fire with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will come out with you on the other side because we've been together all along. You know the amazing thing about Shadrach and Meshach as we close here is the Lord didn't suddenly show up in that fire. He was there all along. We just get it. It's, it's a, one of the few times in our Bible where we actually get a physical picture of who Jesus is all the time. We call that a Christophany when he shows up in the Old Testament. He's with you all the time. Every, who gets a glimpse sometimes and is so encouraged? And then we're like, Lord, give me a glimpse. Show, just show me that you're with me. And I, I'm not saying that the Lord's mad that we do that, but we need to come to the place where we just know you don't need to show me because I know that you're with me. I know it. I love when he does. And you know what? Pray that prayer that he shows you. But don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. If he doesn't stand there in your fire and present himself physically, you need to know that he is with you. Because we have too many testimonies, right, Annie? I mean, there's, after some time, there's some trial. There's some struggling. We don't know how it's going to work out. We don't know how we're going to make it. How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to spread this butter far enough on this piece of bread? And somehow, the Lord does something miraculous. And in the midst of it, oh my gosh, something happened in me. Now, the Lord's a, this master physician. He wasn't really after your anger. He was after that hurt deep inside you. And anger was just the symptom. And suddenly now, you're dealing with things that were done as you were when you were a child, and now God's digging out these deep-seated things, and you just thought, Lord, help me in my anger. Praise God. That's what the Lord's doing. That's why he allows the fire. He's purifying us. I think there's a potential. We'll get deeper into this next week because there's so much. But praise God. Isn't he amazing? Let's just give him praise. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our life. Lord, I pray... Lord, you're just going to have to be our strength then. Then, Lord, if you're purifying us and the fires are hot, then, Lord, help us in it.
That's all. That's all that we can say. And Lord, I praise you and thank you that our word promises that you're going to do that for us. So we just give you glory and honor and praise. Amen.